This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. And shoved by Hayda. Spurgeon's in. Delays. Shoots one. He scores! Jared Spurgeon has tied it. Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, notes, and much more. Fiala's in for Minnesota. Fiala cuts to the middle. Wade scores! Greenway in. Saved by Miska. Rebound. Erickson. They score! Jordan Greenway beats Miska. And poked away Kaprizov. In for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill. Now, here are your hosts. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boya, and Justin Buck. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Sound the Foghorn, Season 3, Episode 8. Brett Marshall joined alongside, as always, by my pals Zeke Boyat and Justin Baki. Gentlemen, the Wild are on a four-game winning streak during which they have scored 20 goals. Justin, that plus your day, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, About to hit the three-day weekend after a long work week a little tired after staying up for all those games but it's been well worth it and i'm excited to talk about uh about that stretch here and zeke what about you man uh same here it was uh you know it was yesterday it was last night the game was really great i mean obviously anytime the you know the wild win 6-2 it's it's a good game but you know especially against the colorado avalanche who i know i don't really love and i know a lot of wild fans don't love but no it was it was a great game a lot of good things to happen and i think uh Got a lot of great things to and and pretty much positive things too to talk about here tonight about a lot of wild topics. So, yeah, without a doubt. So uh, as we do kick off every show, we're gonna uh, go over to Justin first um, to have him give us a prospect update, which isn't quite as eventful as uh, last week's probably, but uh, still good to get those weekly updates nonetheless. So Justin, the floor is yours. All right, it's it's not very long this week, but Boldy had a good weekend last weekend versus Maine. Picked up three points. Uh, kind of an interesting stat I saw about Boldy is in his draft plus two year, he's better points per game than Besser, Pavelski, Gensel, Oshie, Wheeler, Kreider, Garen, and LeClaire. Um, pretty cool stat uh, to, to run across. But anyways, uh, Nestorenko and Warren picked up an assist also that weekend. Damon Hunt has been named the captain of Moose Jaw Warriors of the WHL. Um, Iowa was supposed to play tomorrow and the next day. Um, they've recent, recently been postponed versus Texas, so we'll see if that happens. And then I think the prospect with the, you know, who's been playing really good lately, Philip Lindbergh. He was amazing again yesterday. Uh, he got the W, and in his last five starts, he's 3-0-2 with a .6 goals against average and a 9.76 save percentage. So he's uh, really playing well with the starts he's been given, and uh, that's pretty much it for this week as far as prospects. 
yeah, you just uh, you you love to see Boldy uh, continuing to produce. And uh, in case you're new to the show uh, or missed our show last week, uh, we talked a ton of prospects with the athletic Scott Wheeler. Uh, so go ahead and check that show out. Uh, we promise it won't disappoint. Um, it was a great show. We were really happy to have Scott on. Thanks again uh, for him for joining us. Uh, next up would usually be my analytics segment, but uh, I spent about probably somewhere near 10 hours this week uh, writing a three-part series that broke down uh, a ton of different metrics, um, advanced analytics. That kind of my goal was to explain them to kind of a beginner who would maybe you know just wanted to get into to advanced stats, and it's all ones I believe we've talked about on here, so nothing new in there. But if you want kind of a deeper dive, if you want examples and and how to understand it, uh, those are all linked on my Twitter. Uh, pin page, I talk about shot attempts, courses, scoring chances, high danger chances, goals for, expected goals per 60 rates, uh, high danger save percentage, goals saved above expected, tons of good stuff in there. Uh, probably it'll take about a half hour to get through all three of them, but I promise it uh, it's, it's worth your time. So feel free to check those out, and then uh, we'll be back next week uh, with the uh, verbal version of our analytics update. But uh, that's all for me. And then, uh, Zeke, you got a little bit something different uh, this week, well, for your This Week in Wild History. Yeah, so uh, I mean, I mean, for this week's segment, uh, we're kind of just going to take a one-week stop uh, from this week in wild history, and just kind of a more current topic that I uh, brought up to Brett and Justin that I want to talk about is, you know, I know yeah, everyone's a lot of things have been said about the Jonas Brodin over the past couple of years now. Obviously, he got his big contract extension uh, in the summer for the next seven years after this year at six million, but you know, like like we all know, he's not exactly a flashy player. He's not gonna. A lot of fans, if you just look at the score sheet or look at the, the box stats, you're not going to be particularly impressed. But, you know, I just think like the last night too, uh, the, you know, the main example is I believe it was on uh, Zach Preezy's uh, tip goal was he uh, kind of he took the puck, did a rush in the zone, went kind of back behind the net and around and uh, threw a pass up to the point. And it's just, I don't know, I just feel like he last this season and the previous season before in 2019-2020, he's really started to you know, skate with the puck more, you know, go a little bit more into the offensive zone. And I mean, he's obviously never going to be a, off- a hugely offensive player from the blue line. And that's perfectly fine because that's not really what, you know, the wild they're signing him long term for. But I just feel like, you know, the last couple, this last season or two, he's just been doing that a lot more and has been sh- really showing off that, you know, obviously elite skating ability Noah has. And I think, you know, the pure offensive numbers from an accounting stats standpoint have really, I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, over the last 80, you know, around 85, uh, right? No, 83 regular season games, he has 33 point, 35 points, which, you know, it's not a lot of points, but for a guy like him who usually is never really involved in the offense play, I just think it's, you know, I've, all, I've just been really impressed and was, again, uh, just really happy with this game the, against Colorado the other night and just the last couple of games and just, you know, I don't know, like we've talked about it so many times, but like I said, it's just, uh, he's just so smooth and so good. And I, I just, you know, I guess I just want to touch on the fact that, you know, I don't think it's coincidence that uh, his offense is going up, you know, when he's been skating the puck around a little bit more and using that uh, skating ability a little bit better too. Definitely. Justin, what do you make of Jonas Brodine? I mean, I don't have much more to add, but I feel like, you know, he's, obviously always been one of our, our best defensive defensemen, and I think he's really underrated across the NHL. Um, going back to the the playoffs against the Canucks last this past playoff season, he was one of our best players, if not our best player on the team, and he just seems to continue to kind of t- progress his game a little bit. You know, like Zeke said, he's not going to have those big offensive numbers, but he does seem to be 
you know, doing trying more on offense, like shooting the puck more. It's it just he seems like he's progressed a little bit in that area. Yeah, I think I used to view Jonas Brodin as kind of a defensive defenseman, but Zeke, I think you've pointed to a really important thing. It's just kind of the development and his all-around toolkit um, over the last you know season and a half, two seasons if you want to call him that at this point. I think he's really kind of become what I would call the modern two-way defenseman. A, de- a good-sized, very mobile, puck-moving, offensively capable defenseman who isn't going to necessarily drive offense at an elite level in their own zone, but he's going to shut down top pairs. He can play, you know, all situations. We've seen him on the power play for the first time in abundance this year, which has been a a welcome sight. He's great on the penalty kill. You can play him against anyone you want with anyone you want. And I just think when you look at, you know, the type of defense that every team would want to have, I guarantee you every team in the NHL would love to have a Jonas Brodeen because very few teams in the league have a Jonas Brodeen yeah and I think you know this might sound kind of silly but I think he really truly is kind of a special talent in his own right because like I mean like we just said he's he's got elite skating ability uh you know he's like we just said he's a great defender and you know I and, and his ability to just also at the same time you know make get the puck out of his own zone and and make the long breakout passes really well it's just something that a lot of teams I know from just uh, listening to other podcasts and other fans, you know, that's the kind of defenseman and player, like Brett just said, that uh, they would really love to have. So, no, it's just uh, it's just great to have him, uh, great to really to great to have him locked up, even though, you know, I know some people look at that $6 million cap hit and think that's, you know, especially with the cap environment now, that that's maybe a bit too much for a guy who, you know, doesn't put up more than 20, 30 points. But uh, like we just explained, I think uh, with, you know, just the totality of what he brings to the game and to the team is just uh, – something that's just well worth that contract and uh you know and like we just said i think he's really just gotten better uh with age too and it's still kind of surprising though that he's uh i think he's like 27 already it's like feels like he's been around forever already too right i believe he entered the league at age 19 i want to say which would make him yeah. in the league for eight years but mm-hmm. you're right it feels like he is like 31 and he's 27 mm-hmm. in the middle of his yeah. time yeah, it does. All right, so this is going to be a show about the Wild because as we talked about from the onset, four-game winning streak, 20 goals in those four games. The game against L.A. that they lost coming out of COVID basically feels like an anomaly. They were without mm-hmm. seven starters. They had guys that probably weren't still 100%. Throwing that game aside, and I know we touched a little bit on the Anaheim game, uh, on, on, that they played last Thursday uh, when we were on the show, but we were pretty tired at that point. What do you guys make of this of this winning streak? What, what, what do you like? Do you think, you know, what are some things that maybe you haven't liked, it, if there are any? Just talk a little bit about uh, the, the, Wilds, the Wilds winning streak here. Well, I mean, I think for me, I think uh, kind of an impressive point that I think we'll talk, this is kind of, we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but I've just kind of liked how to, when they, whenever they've seemed to get scored on, like, you know, when they, in the San Jose game uh, a couple nights ago and Brent Burns scored a nice breakaway goal again, uh, you know, about a couple, less than a minute into the game and also uh, last night in Colorado when, uh, you know, the Wild were pretty much getting, uh, you know, ran over, uh, they did, had pretty much all spent all their time in the defensive zone and they have tied it up at one, one. And it's just, I guess just kind of the thing I've been impressed about is that, you know, when they've been challenged like that and tested like that, you know, not a lot of guys have really, you know, started to fold or look, you know, look like they're 
necessarily. I mean, I guess you could say last night in the third period for a little while in Colorado, they were playing a little bit of the prevent defense, but I've just kind of been really impressed with the, you know, when things maybe could look like they're going to go bad from a fan standpoint that you look on the ice and they all look uh, calm, composed, and, you know, they look like they're confident. Just, you know, just I think really the key point is they just look really confident in their game right now. Yeah, I think there's a lot to like. I think personally for me, it's almost your not-so-usual suspects are kind of picking up their game and you're seeing these these lines kind of develop chemistry. Like Ryan Hartman, they threw him at center and he's looked really good with, with uh, Parisi and Felino and you know, he's picked up six six points in these four <laughs> games. And then you see Rask on a line with Zuccarello and Kaprizov and that line has been absolutely bonkers with 17 points in, in the games. And Rask has five points during that stretch. Felino has five points during that stretch. You're just Paul seeing Fenton these is guys. just mocking all of us right now. Oh yeah. He's, he's <laughs> pointing and laughing at us right now. <laughs> Oh man, it, it's just been fun to see guys step up when a guy like Fiala the last two games we score 11 goals 12 goals and and he's hasn't factored into it at all we're seeing other guys kind of pick up their game and 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 you know see kind of a four-line team during these games yeah and we have a bunch of points that I wanted to hit on so I'll just kind of go down my list. Let's start with the the uh, Kaprizov, Rask, and Zuccarello line. And um, Jake Jensen of the Mini Ice tweeted out a picture of uh, Kaprizov, Rask, and Zuccarello, um, saying, "quote I'd like to see a line in the NHL with more lettuce than Kaprizov, Rask, and Zuccarello." So from this day forward, as long as that line is together, together it is now the lettuce line. Uh, per this podcast we have dubbed it so feel free to jump on that bandwagon with us but i'm just gonna run through i i uh, i looked into this a little bit more than anything else on the show today just some bizarre like raw data and Mm -hmm. advanced data on this line so they've this is what just when all three of them have been on the ice together at even strength so three games 33 minutes and 10 seconds of ice time they've scored six goals and have allowed just two. And this production is bizarre. They're Corsi 4, which a reminder is basically shot attempts. They're being outshot or outattempted 40 to 26. They're being outshot 13 to 20. Their expected goals is only 1.99. So they have four more goals than they're expected to. Their expected goals against is about the same at 1.81. So an expected goals for percentage just above 52%, which is fine. Scoring chance differential, 14 to 3. They're being outchanced in terms of high danger chances, 7 to 4. But three of those four high danger chances have resulted in goals. Rask <laughs> has goals on four of his last seven shots. Zuccarello has three goals on his last four shots. They ha- those two combined have seven <laughs> goals on their last 11 shots. I don't even have an answer because this is j- it's it's absurd. Like, <laughs> I don't even know what to make of it. <laughs> well, I mean... Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Justin. Sorry. I was say it's been insane. The only I, I think I saw the only line that's been better than them has been the Austin Matthews line in Toronto, which is pretty insane considering mm. who's on that line. <laughs> so, so you're saying that uh, Victor Rask is the second best center in the NHL, is what I'm hearing there. Yeah, during the stretch, so, maybe, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, no, it's but I think uh, what I think Brett was you were on Twitter last night. Uh, kind of having a conversation with the guy who you were saying, you know, what I think their shooting percentage, a couple of those guys is like around 40% right now or something. 
yeah, insane. Rask, I believe, is at 41, and I think Zuccarello mm-hmm. is at 42%. Yeah. <laughs> For context, yeah. Like, the best shooters in the league end of the year are maybe pushing 20%, but are probably mm-hmm. around like 17 to 18%. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think that's obviously a good point is that, you know, they obviously won't uh, continue to score five six points per game or whatever in that line in total but i think you know there obviously is something to be said for chemistry especially with the guy like uh, kaprizov who before uh zuccarello came back you know was not really i mean pretty much this is the same for a lot of guys on the team but him especially he wasn't consistently getting uh time with certain line mates and guys that uh you know kind of fit their similar skill sets and i think that uh you know, really the addition of Zuccarello back to the lineup, I think, is just the, the biggest key here because, you know, obviously no one was happy with this play last year. Everyone was just, you know, oh, a contract, blah, 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 all that kind of thing. But I think, you know, with him coming back in here, really, obviously, like everyone knows, has really added that uh, even if they don't continue to score, which they want at that pace, uh, it's really added a little bit more, like, kind of offensive talent, a little more juice on that second line, which I think really just uh, overall just deepens the, their, their, their lineup offensively and also – uh, is really a big help to a guy like Kaprizov, who, you know, is like I just said, is finally getting a consistent line mate who he seems to, you know, start to build some chemistry with. So no, it's uh, it's just Started. great to see. Yeah, yeah, I said such a good, but it <laughs> it's like there it's already. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, honestly, I think that's a big piece of this. Is I mean, we're seeing Kaprizov take off, and obviously, like mm-hmm. we said, the, the production they're at right now isn't sustainable. If you think it is, you're delusional, but. <laughs> you know th- this line being around a like a goal per game at this point at least for sure i don't know i don't know if rask is a long-term solution there mm-hmm. who knows if johansson comes back he can maybe fill in we'll touch on that later um but there is some real chemistry between kaprizov and zuccarello i mean you just watch like just some of the passes they've made have just like gone tape to tape we've seen these odd man rushes that they've set up and it just looks really comfortable and it was funny I believe Marcus Russo had a quote um, from Marcus Foligno in a, in a game, or I think it was from two games ago, I want to say. Um, and Foligno kind of joked, like, yeah, you know, Zuccarello speaks a little Russian, so maybe that has something to do with it. But maybe it actually does have something to do with it, just being, you know, able just to speak your, your native tongue and just feel, you know, just a little bit more comfortable with a guy and that mm-hmm. little bit of extra communication on the ice. It, it could be going a lot further than, than maybe we might think at the surface. Yeah, I mean, I was going to bring that up. It's... When you aren't, you know, don't have very good communication, it makes things even harder. I mean, Kaprizov is a good player and he's got the skill set and all that, but when it, you're having a hard time communicating, that, that that can be huge. And maybe Zuccarello being able to communicate with him a little bit, be able to talk to him on the ice. Who knows if they're speaking in Russian on the ice? But that that just maybe that's what's really setting them off. Yeah, and I think uh, just kind of a similar point to that. I think there was a. Uh, kind of some quotes that I saw when Bill Guerin was on the on KFan on the radio with the Russo a couple days ago or last weekend, and I think essentially said that uh, Zuccarello was one of the guys who was kind of even when he wasn't you know playing with the team, he was kind of the guy who was talking to some of the younger players, you know, being kind of a role model, a bit of a leader, just you know being friendly, being nice, and all that, and you know especially he said to the the Europeans in the team. So I think that's just like you guys said. I think that's just a uh, are a really good sign in that. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, chemistry, that, that's just, it's just great to see. All of it is great to see. Uh, it, it'll help a lot. Yeah, and it's, like we said, it's not going to be sustainable, but we're going to ride this out and just enjoy it while we can. We're going to enjoy Victor mm-hmm. Rass being a god. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think, look, 
and look forward to what the future might hold for for Kaprizov Zuccarello and mm-hmm. you know maybe that's a Rossi in the future in the middle maybe it's they try mm-hmm. Eck or whoever but maybe it's Hartman who knows yeah. um speaking of Hartman let let's talk a little more about him Justin you rattled off a couple stats when you were talking earlier just run those bias quick again and then we'll dive a little bit more into uh the Ryan Hartman third line center experience which has been going decently well so far yeah I mean he has six points in the four games last four games two goals four assists he's been thrown into that center position and he's one of those guys that seems to just take the take whatever is given to him and and plays the position you know takes the most of his opportunities and he's really taking the most of the opportunity playing with Felino and Parisi and we're, we're you know he's been good on the penalty kill he kind of does everything but you're, you're kind of seeing the the talent of the of a first round pick and his passing skills. Yeah, I I believe Chicago drafted him as a center and he hadn't played it since he mm-hmm. played in Chicago and it never really occurred to me that like he was drafted as a center but his numbers aren't terrible. Uh, you know, uh, since being moved to center, he's got a goal and four assists, five shots on goal. His expected goals for has been eh, it's uh 43.8%, but Again, he's playing with Parisi. We've talked about as a defensive black hole this year. But that said, you know they've got a five to one goal differential. He's got a one point eight nine average game score of the last four games, which I think if you compare that to the Wild season long average, would be like second on the team behind only Zuccarello. And then he's twenty one of forty three on the faceoff, so just a shade under fifty percent. And on his last twenty nine, he's won seventeen of those, so well over fifty percent. So he can play there. And I think he's proved it, and I'm really interested to see what that might mean for the Wild moving forward, especially for a guy like maybe like Nick Bugstad, who it seems mm-hmm. like those two have kind of swapped roles, as I think, to what we thought they might be in to start the year. Yeah, no, for sure. And, I mean, like you guys said, his ability to play, and like Justin said, to, to pretty much do whatever he's asked for is obviously very good. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I, you know, you can't say I'm like – extremely shocked that he's showing some offensive skill i mean obviously you know he like you guys said he was a first late first round pick uh, he did score 19 goals one year in chicago so i mean he, obviously he's not going to again like some a lot of these players who are currently doing really well on the wild he's not going to continue to score but uh you know obviously honestly you know he really doesn't even need to score if like brett said if he can keep if he's playing that third line center position in the, even right around 50 percent on the face-off circle which you know aside from nick bonino is would be you know one of the best uh, face-off takers in the wild currently. Uh, it's obviously very good. Now, you know, this is a little bit more long-term, you know, with him playing so well that, uh, like uh, Michael Russo has talked about a few times in this podcast, might complicate his future uh, past this season in Minnesota. But, uh, no, it's uh, just another uh, another great sign and uh, another way that, like, you know, like Brett said, we didn't really think that, you know, him at center was a thing. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just uh, a, a good uh, story that's emerged here in the last week or two. In the season, Justin, anything else to add about uh, Ryan Hartman? No, I, I mean, I just, I just read that article from Russo, and I didn't realize that he had centered Kane and Panarin at one point. So this isn't new to him. It was for a short bit, but he he centered Kane and Panarin for a short bit in Chicago. Well, there you have it. So, yeah, let's see what he can continue to do there. Ride the hot hand and ride the hot lines. Yeah, we need to figure out. We got we got the grief squad, which is Greenway, Erickson, Eck, and Fiala. <laughs> We've got the lettuce line. What are we calling Hartman, Parisi, and Felino? Do, do we have anything mm-hmm. off the top of our head for that? 
the the heart the heart line i don't know (laughs) (laughs) yeah not particularly what's coming to mind right now but uh, we'll have to think of something if it keeps it up for sure you guys got ideas tweet them at us Mm -hmm. all right so i mentioned the grief squad let's briefly touch on them uh just and i believe this is something you brought up to might have been you zeke um but you know, while 12 goals the last two games, 11 of them have been past a goaltender, one an empty net, and Kevin Fiala doesn't have a point on a single one of them. And I got into a little bit of an argument on, on Twitter last night, uh, either last night or this morning, about a guy that's like, oh, that line with Fiala and Greenway and Eck isn't working. But I think it worked almost exactly as designed last night. Uh, that line, I think, had... I believe it was a .12 expected goals against last night, playing largely against the McKinnon-Landeskog-Rantanen line. Mm-hmm. And I think you add, you know, Jule Eriksson X shutdown ability with Kevin Fiala's speed, it's a perfect match to, to shut down that line. And then, of course, Greenway's size. And they basically, you know, shut down that line so the other three lines could go out and, you know, do what they did and put up six goals. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say the same thing. They shut down Mack, Landeskog, and Ranton, and I don't know how you can say they didn't do their job. Uh, you know, a lot of times they're going to be the ones that are going to be putting up some of the points, and especially Fiala, but when you can shut down the Colorado's top line, then you're doing a lot of things right, and that's helping the team quite a damn bit. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you guys too, and I think I'm uh... – you know, I don't, I guess I definitely thought about this. I don't think uh, Ekin Greenway are like, you know, I don't think they're slow, but I don't think they're particularly fast either. But I think with the guy like Fiala, who uh, I guess I'm not really sure how the all the numbers, underlying numbers look like for him defensively. But I feel like, you know, I've read from Brett in your replies a lot that he's not been too horrible in that. And I think with, you know, like you guys said, with his speed, obviously, that we all know, I think uh, he could work good against those top lines. And I think just on Fiala, people will look, you know, at his numbers. He's got six goals and an assist for, you know, in the 13 games and I was you know also looking at some comments in athletic well on the post gamer from Russo last night where a couple That's people going oh yeah oh yeah no I, I don't recommend <laughs> it but I, I guess I'm gonna go into it anyways but they were saying you know we should sell high on Fiala because he all he does is whine at the refs and he's streaky and blah 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 and it's like okay I mean you know, yes, he can be frustrating at times, but I mean, he's he is getting he hasn't had a ton of shots the last couple of games, but he does show that speed. I had a couple of times last night where you know he had a couple of times where he kind of pushed around Colorado defenseman and created his own chance. He didn't score, but he is getting chances, so I'm not too particularly worried about it. And I mean, you know, as for the line he's on, it's like it's not like really there's any other better options to put you know those guys with. And I just right. think that the you know, like uh, Brett has said with a lot of his, with a lot of the, you know, the advanced numbers that those, uh, you know, Eck and Greenway obviously have been two of their better or more complete players overall this season. So I just think that uh, uh, just give them, they'll, you know, they're obviously, you know, I think eventually here with uh, the other two lines maybe cooling off, I think it'll be uh, their turn to get on the offense a little bit more often. And even then, you know, you don't, that's not really the only job and the only value they bring to the team either. Yeah, and like last night, Zeke, you brought up, you know, Fiala had some chances, and I, there was one Erickson Eck had right on the doorstep where mm-hmm. if he's able, if it just handcuffed him enough where he couldn't slide at five hole. I mean, it's not like they're not out there even generating offense. They just mm-hmm. didn't score. Like the chances were very clearly still there. I'm not reading into no points in two games when the line, yeah. you know. The, the second game they were together was one of Erickson Eck's worst games of the year, and 
the rest of the line suffered because of it. But you know, everyone's got a bad game every now and again, and Act Twice has had bad games against San Jose, so maybe they're just taking that kind of fastest number and have him figured have him figured out. But the two games on the outside of that, their first game together on last night were were wonderful. I mean, that first game they were together, Fiala had two goals and an assist, you know, yeah. a five one win. So I think people are reading way too much into a two game sample and not looking at at the big picture. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. Anything else to add on the grief squad? No, I think I'm good there. Yeah, I think we uh, think we touched on it pretty good. All right. So I think there's one player in particular who's kind of been the unsung hero of this four-game winning streak, and it's rookie goaltender Capo Kakinen. Since returning from COVID, he's 4-1-0, and has 128 saves and 137 shots. That's a 935 save percentage. 1.82 goals against, and even re- remarkably to see this in, as a wild goaltender, has a goal saved above expected above zero, and it's actually a 4.05. <laughs> Is it, you know, it, Cap, we we talked beginning of the year, you know, Kakinen might be a guy that gets 35 to 40% of the starts. Has he mm. earned his way to kind of go 50-50 with Talbot the rest of the season? I personally think as long as he's got this hot hand, you do it. I mean, you don't just stop playing a goalie just because Talbot's back. I mean, you want to get Talbot starts to get him back into the swing of things, but Kakinen, I feel, has earned it, especially in the last four games. He's you know didn't play two stellar teams, and then I kind of wanted to see what he would do against Colorado, and he was just brilliant against Colorado. No, that save against Nishushkin was amazing, and he just – you know, when we were kind of struggling, I felt like the first half of the second and third periods, he really just mm-hmm. stood tall for us. Yeah, and I, th- I agree with you guys too. I think he should uh, definitely get kind of a chance to be more of a 50-50 split, especially with the condensed schedule this season and with, you know, Wild coming up playing a lot of games against teams like, uh, you know, Vegas and St. Louis, a little bit tougher teams. I definitely think that, like Justin said, that, uh, you you know you keep right keep riding the hot hand a little bit more often and it's a good idea and I think you know I mentioned this earlier podcast but I you know what impresses me the most about him is he seems very composed out there like you know like I said the San Jose game or in Colorado and they tied it up you know he didn't ever look shaken or frustrated like we've seen with wild goalies in the past who you know like Darcy Kemper even sometimes the Devin Dubik the last couple of years where they let in one goal and then you could tell there was just they were just a little bit extra nervous or just, you know, didn't quite have it anymore. And it seems that, you know, the last couple of games, especially uh, Kakinen has been very composed, uh, very calm in his nets. And I think, you know, some of my concerns about him were, you know, his, his five hole, he seemed to be giving up a lot of goals there and it didn't seem like his glove hand was the greatest, but there was one save uh, on the power play last night on Nathan McKinnon, who kind of came right down the middle of the circle there and uh, had a wide open, took a nice hard wrist shot and Captain just calmly gloves it down. So no, I think he's just another guy that also from, you know, just kind of reading his post game comments seems very confident right now. And uh, no, I agree with you guys. I think uh, that he should at least continue to get a 50, 50 split there. And I don't know how much we've talked about this, but how good of the, how good the wild could be if they just had competent average goaltending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this last four games, I think we've seen what happens. The team, mm-hmm. I mean, Zeke, you talked earlier in the show about just the guys looking confident. 
How much of that do you think just because, hey, we know we got a goalie back there that's not Devin Dubnik and no slight yeah. to Alex Stalock, but that's not going to let in a softy. We got a guy we can rely on. We know we can take some chances, maybe pinch down in the, in the, in the offensive zone, try something creative in the D zone. I think that's a huge part of the team playing confidence, just knowing like, hey, if we make a mistake, our goalie's got us. Where in pastures, it's like, hey, if I make a mistake, it might be in the back of the net. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I heard, sorry to um, cut in front of you, Zeke, but I heard on the telecast, uh, I can't remember who said it, but they were saying Kakinen, he, he, in practice, he really competes and he never gives up on a play or anything. And just, I feel like even in practice, you practice how you play and that gives the team confidence on, on having them, uh, having them in the game. It's just how he practices too. Yeah, and I think uh, you guys made a couple of really good points. And I think, you know, obviously, like last year, especially uh, with Dubnik and Salok, we, you know, the, a lot of the numbers would say that if the Wild got even average goaltending or just a little bit below average, they'd have been a much better team. And like Brett said, that's obviously very true again. Like, you know, they don't even need uh, Kakinen especially to be fantastic. They just need him to be solid, good enough, you know, at, you know, average or a little bit more. And then, Really, to be honest, anything else above that uh, for a rookie goaltender for me is just icing on the cake, and it's uh, it's it's just good to see him going. And you know, I think it, uh, I guess, depending on who you are, it, it maybe is not that big of a debate, uh, but I think it also makes the decision for the expansion draft uh, coming in June probably a little more interesting. Although I'd still imagine you'd protect the younger goalie, to be honest. Oh, I mean, I was in the camp that it was a difficult decision going into the season. I think this is making it even more obvious that, yeah, you're protecting your young goalie. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you've just got a four, you know, it's a five-game sample, but if this is what he's capable of, I mean, you've seen what Cam Talbot's best is, and you know that's probably behind him. Mm-hmm. This could just be scraping the surface of what Capital Kakinen is. And, I mean, you look yeah. at a guy like Darcy Kemper, a guy that was a little bit more of a late bloomer, I guarantee you the Wild would love to have that guy back, the way he's played in Arizona. Yeah. Um, it just didn't work out here, and they kind of, you know, they maybe gave up on him a year and a half too early, and I don't think they want to make that same mistake again. Even though it's a different regime, I think they can definitely see that misstep. Right. Sure. I, I saw some pretty st- awesome stats that I believe it was the Minnesota Wild PR put out. Um, with uh, He is second among rookie goalies with at least ga- five games played in goals against average. He's tied for second in wins, and he's third in save percentage. Uh, but he is also tied for first in the NHL in road wins with five, and that's not among rookies. That's against all goal, all goaltenders. Yeah, he's been a monster on the road. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so this is now a Capo Kacken and Stan podcast. Um, just adding <laughs> to the list. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, all of this good news doesn't come without a little bit of bad news. Uh, I think there's kind of a consensus player in the lineup I think we maybe brought him up a few times before, but we're going to dive a little deeper. Justin, I'll go to you first because it was a guy you want to talk about. Something doesn't seem quite right with Zach Parisi. Yeah, I don't know if it's uh, father time catching up with him or he's just having a tough start to the season, but I read one of Russo's articles and he said he's kind of felt like he's been swimming upstream. And it's kind of concerning to me considering his age, but I, I also felt like, last game looked a lot better and that that there it was promising and maybe maybe he's starting to turn the corner of just a slow start 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with Justin. I think, uh, you know, obviously his goal, tip-in goal, was a classic Zach Parise goal, getting a piece of it uh, right out front of the net. But, uh, you know, I think last year, too, he started out really slow. I think he only had, like, three points through the first 12 or 13 games. So, you know, maybe it, I think it, it very well could be, you know, like Justin said, uh, just his age, especially with his uh, injury history and the way he plays, obviously, eventually that's going to catch up to him. But, uh, you know, I, I guess I, I am – you know, probably a little bit concerned. And I, but I also think that part of this too, is just him also getting used to, you know, the fact that he's pretty much now kind of placed into that third line role and, you know, maybe getting more used to the chemistry with, you know, he's kind of the new kind of players that he's playing with and all that. So I personally think uh, just to give him a little bit of time, he'll be fine. I mean, he's, and I think the good thing is, you know, obviously with his big contract, you want him to produce, but I don't think, uh, you know, the wild really obviously need to really rely on him uh, as much from that standpoint. So I think that's good, but uh, I guess I wouldn't say that I'm overly concerned just yet from offensive side, uh, at least. Yeah. I'm pulling some data right now just to see he's been a little bit better as of late. I mean, obviously Mm -hmm. last night he got the goal career point Mm -hmm. number 800. So that was really cool too. And it was one of the most like, Zach Parisi goals ever just to tip yep. in right in front of the crease and you could just tell that he was hyped the team was hype it was one mm-hmm. that you know he needed for sure and I think uh just uh while you pull up the stats I just want to say I think another key thing with him is that usually he when he scores and put goals and puts up points it's because he's shooting the puck and getting a ton of shots and you know he he was doing that like the first I think seven or eight games but I think in the previous two or three games before that, he maybe had a combined like two shots. So uh, I think that's just another thing that uh, just got to, just got to shoot the puck more, just get more pucks on that. Yeah. First right. seven games, 26 shots on goal. And then in the seven games following that, he had just six, Oof. 20 fewer. And then the last two games, he's up to five, uh, three, two nights ago. And then uh, two last night. Um <laughs> So that's I th- that I think that's a big thing. Is it just? I mean, obviously, when you're playing down the lineup, you're gonna have fewer chances. But I mean, to have that many fewer to have a 20 goal drop yeah. off in in two right. seven game stretches is is significant. So Zach Parisi, we're hoping that tomorrow is maybe the start of a return to somewhat of his old form. Uh, well, he I mean, I think he even mentioned in that post game uh, interview that uh, he's feeling that he's starting to develop some chemistry with Hartman and Felino, and that's always a good sign too. You get that going. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but let's move now to our uh, amateurs and pros of the week. Uh, we kind of rushed to it last week, so we'll go a little slower. Uh, amateur of the week was a little tougher this week. We didn't really have uh, you know as evidenced by the prospect update. Didn't have any necessarily huge weeks. Um, my amateur of the week's even kind of a stretch on its own, but uh, Zeke, I think we'll let you go first. Uh, did you manage to uh, to find someone to uh, give some recognition to this week? Yes, I uh, did manage to find uh, actually an amateur of the week, but I mean, like Brett said, it was kind of hard, but uh, for my amateur of the week, I'm going with, uh, with a guy by the name of Chaz Lucius, I believe is how you pronounce his name, but he is currently spent the last couple of years at the U.S. National Team Development Program, and I think to start this this season, he was either hurt or out a lot of games, so in last hurt. week or so, yeah, okay, he was hurt, so that's what I thought, so he played his first two games with the team, I think with the U18 team, if I remember right, yep. and he put up three goals in his first two games, and I think, uh, you know, it's good to see a good start, he's a Minnesota kid, I think he's, I'm pretty sure him and his brother are both committed to play for the Gophers here next year, and he is also uh, notably uh, supposedly going to be considered a potential uh, upper half of the first round uh, prospect in this year's draft who's uh, just a great goal scorer and got one of the 
best shots in the upcoming draft. So just uh, good to see another uh, Minnesota kid uh, get back in the lineup and uh, get back to you know doing what he does best, which is scoring goals. Yeah, and always good to see you know those kids at the national stage do it as well. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool to For sure. represent not only your state but uh, also your country, and to have guys go in the UNS or the yeah. United States development program is always always pretty cool. It is. All right, Justin, over to you. All right, yeah, like like we said, it's it was pretty difficult, but uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Elk River native Reggie Lutz. He's on the number three Mankato State Rets team. Uh, senior winger last weekend he had uh one goal two assists in the sweep of ferris state he ended up scoring the game winning goal on friday in overtime followed that up with a two assist effort on saturday uh he picked up an assist tonight in their win and i think they took the monotonous how do you say it brett the McNaughton Cup. That is a four-peat uh, Mavericks four years in a row uh, WCHA champions. Whoop, whoop. Yep. Well, anyways, he <laughs> congratulations <laughs> to your team. Uh, he has now 18 points in 18 games and, uh, you know, seems like one of the better players on that Mankato team, but you could be able to speak to that, Brett. Yeah. Um, you, had, you said Lutz, right? Yep, that's correct. Yeah, him and Jeremko both uh, played at Elk River, so they've been pretty much playing together uh, since they got there, and they've pretty much anchored like the top. They were the second line last year. I think they're kind of the top line this year once they lost uh, their German duo. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a really solid pick. Um, so like I said, mine's kind of a stretch. Um, I'm basically just choosing the entire Mankato roster uh, for winning. <laughs> <laughs> for winning the McNaughton Cup. Um, if I have to narrow it down to one, I'm going to go with uh, Julian Napravnik, um, who has really been really solid this year and then had the uh, overtime game winner against Bemidji State tonight to uh, seal the deal. Um, it was kind of a roller coaster here as we were trying to uh, get our audio going again tonight. Um, I had the game on in the background, and um, you know we weren't sure if I was going, oh, no, because of the Mavericks game or because I couldn't figure something out. and. Uh, the last time went oh no was because Bemidji tied it up with 22 seconds left in regulation and then uh, went to overtime and uh, Napravnik was able to uh, to bury it and Julian Napravnik uh, won the McNaughton Cup for the Mavericks for the fourth year in a row. So should bode well for them heading in the playoffs. Obviously seals how much advantage and hopefully you know more success in that tournament leads to uh, to a you know a number one seed where we don't have to play in the uh, number four seeds home rink. Very nice. All right, let's move on to pros. We'll go same order. Zeke, to you. Yep. Well, uh, my pro of the week, uh, you know, the, the, all of our pros of the week are not exactly surprising, but I'm going to go with, uh, you know, right now, probably, if not everyone, not everyone's, mostly everyone's favorite wild player in Kirill Kaprizov, who, you know, in the last, I believe, three games now has six points. I think he has a goal and I think five assists now. Obviously, he's had three straight multi-point games, and I think is I don't he's either the first wild player or rookie to do that, or the or the second or something. But he's been obviously been very good uh, these last few games, uh, even the whole season. And he's up to 15 points in 16 games, four goals and 11 assists. Just you know, dynamic with the puck. Uh, 
you know, obviously that whole clip of him circling around the zone on the in the offensive zone on the four and four has been around the internet, and even Justin had uh, a few pretty funny videos that he uh, edited up and put on the countdown account, which were pretty funny, and you should go check out if you haven't. But obviously that was around, and he also made a few other great plays, including the kind of spinorama pass to Hartman when oh he came my in the zone. God. Yeah, I mean it was amazing. Like I said, he he comes in like the one on two and then one on three or whatever, and instead of just dumping it in like most other players in the wild would he kind of stops spins a little bit round buys the time for Hartman to get in, and just hits him kind of right in the foot with the pass and just Hartman puts it in off there but it was just so great you know obviously like I remember when when that goal happened I just went was going like what a play I screamed what a play and uh no it was great to see and you know obviously the only criticism with him is you know he could maybe shoot the puck more often but I just think that's something that and the goals are something that will come uh, just simply as he just continues to get more comfortable uh, in the NHL with his new teammates. So, Yeah, and we're not the only ones that think Kirill needs to shoot more. Uh, Dean Evison and the presser said, hey, he's got to be a little more selfish. Um, yeah. I think they asked him about the the 4-on-4 four four shift, and I think Dean said, mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, we think Kirill probably could have shot about three times instead of skidding around the net, but... <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. so I, 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 I think it's just part of Kaprizov just having that really team first attitude and wanting mm-hmm. to, you know, get his teammates involved. Yeah. We, we, we know we can shoot. And I think once he just, you know, really gets through his head, like, Hey, it's okay to be selfish. Sometimes mm-hmm. you, know, you, you can be the star here. You're the star. You can shoot. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to really see something special out of Kirill. Um, and another thing too, mm-hmm. is I keep watching his highlights with Rask, the amount of like times he feeds this guy a no look pass right on the tape for a one timer <laughs> and Rask either like totally biffs it or hits the post is infuriating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. And, uh, yeah, no, it's just, uh, great to see. And, uh, yeah, no, just keep it going. Keep it going. Justin, do we have an update on uh, Caprice after jersey number two? Did you did you decide to pull the trigger or are you still doing uh, I'm uh, I want to pull the trigger, but everywhere I look, the reverse retro jersey is out of stock, so I'm kind of like SOL right now. That's the worst. So I know. Quick tangent. Speaking of reverse retro, if you haven't mm. seen my viral tweet yet, um, <laughs> <laughs> this Saturday we get perhaps one of the best Jersey matchups that we will see in the 2020s when the Minnesota wild take the ice in their reverse retros against the LA Kings in their gorgeous purple reverse Mm -hmm. retros. I'm so like, I don't even like at this point, like obviously I want the wild to win, but like, I'm just so excited to see those two uniforms on the ice at the same time. Like it's, it's Mm -hmm. a dream come true. Right. They're amazing. And the only thing, like I said, in my comments that could make the Kings Jersey better as if the the crown was the logo on the front, but otherwise these are probably my two favorite uh-huh. reverse retro jerseys. Yeah, yeah, I think seeing the full like wild ensemble has made me kind of grow on the jersey a little bit. I think I had them kind of middle of the pack. I think it pushed them top ten for me. I still right. like because I I've just never been a big fan of white jerseys. I think they're boring. Mm-hmm. But the full ensemble bump, bumps them up a little bit. Just can't put them over. Just those some of the really nice full mm-hmm. color ones like LA. So I think for me it was number two behind the Capitals. So yeah. But if I see it on the ice, who knows? They could they could put me into number one too. But super pumped <laughs> for that nonetheless. <laughs> All right, uh, Justin, who's who's your pro of the week? Uh, to no avail. It's uh, Matt Zuccarello. He's picked up nine points Lizard in the five name. games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Fenton's guy. 
he's picked up nine points in the five games since his return, and really they've all been in the last four games. Uh, he's found instant chemistry with uh, Kaprizov, which is good to see. He is first in the NHL in assists and second in points since February 18th, only behind Austin Matthews. And he just gained career point number 400 last night versus the Avs. Just, yeah, he's doing some stupid things right now offensively. Yeah, <laughs> yep. I'm sure just, just gonna put that stick out there and get what he wants. Yeah, yep. like a lizard. Like a lizard. Tongue. Yep. <laughs> seven shots, three goals. His points Jeez. per sixty is seven point six. I believe the leader last I checked was I think it was James Van Riemsdyk, and it was at like five and a half. Sheesh. Which is. An incredible clip and shooting percentage forty two percent as we touched on earlier and uh, <laughs> through four games his game score is one point nine eight which is like that's like top of the league good um, mm. and that was with a negative point three in his first game so basically that's all from the last three games this dude's just been he's got three point three three point one three expected goals already like he, this is a this is a new Matt Zuccarello. Or not a new one, but it's it's New York Rangers Matt Zuccarello, not at all what we saw last year. And I did briefly peek into the athletic comments as well, Zeke. Uh, dip my toes in that sometimes <laughs> catastrophe. And it was a lot of people like, hey, I'm I'm eating my words on, on Matt Zuccarello. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, no. It's just uh, just obviously great to see uh, come back healthy and, you know, like we said earlier, provide that uh, kind of, the, you know, help make the wilds, you know, kind of middle six lines, more of an offensive that from that standpoint. So uh, good to see. Yeah. And I think a, a very clear pick for me could have been Capo Kakinen. Um, he probably deserves it the way he's played. So honorable mention, but I'm going to go with a guy who I couldn't have, who I like audibly yelled at the top of my lungs when he scored <laughs> last night. Um, I'm going with Nico Sturm. Uh, a couple nights ago, I tweeted out that like, Hey, all I want is a Nico Sturm point. And Last night, he gets a breakaway, makes a sweet little backhand, buries goal number one, and then uh, later in the game puts in a 187-foot empty netter. Uh, he has the highest game score last night for the Wild in a, in a big win. And I'm just really, I was just really happy to see Nico Sturm get rewarded because, I mean, <clears throat> we talk a lot about Zach Breeze's work, work ethic and stuff and how great that is. Nico Sturm is just, he's falling right in those footsteps. I mean, this mm-hmm. guy, every shift, just busts his butt, skates fast, hits guys, creates loose pucks. He actually leads the Wild, I believe, in uh, Corsi 4 per 60. You know, when he's on the ice, the Wild are actually getting shots and stuff. And he just, he's just the guy that you want to root for because he just works his tail off mm-hmm. every night. You know, wasn't frustrated, he wasn't scoring. And uh, if you saw the Russo, you know, re- referencing Russo again, a lot of uh, reacting to Russo on the show tonight. But uh, it sounds like the bench, uh, Dean Evison said it's the happiest they had been. Uh, all yeah. year, which was just really cool to see because it just shows the teammates recognize it too, just how hard he works. And I was just stoked to see Nico Sturm score mm-hmm. and really happy for him. Yeah, it was a it was a pretty nice goal too with the leg kick to do that and then make the little backhand juke to the five hole. So like you said, uh, it's good to see. And I think uh, another kind of play that I thought of from earlier the year when Brett, when you mentioned that he's just an incredibly hard worker, I think was in Anaheim where he was, it was kind of a bouncing puck going in the zone and he kind of worked his way through, through kind of the defender and then just poked it out of midair right to his backhand and got a good hard shot off and it's like you know he's he's obviously he's obviously you no know, he's not going to be a huge offensive player but uh, just uh, another guy that was a college free agent that you know that he he wasn't even a draft pick and that uh, just 
great great to see him uh you know finally get roared as you said yeah i think he's gonna be you know just a really good bottom six guy and you Mm. know in an emergency situation that you can move up in the top six if you need to he's got some deceptive speed and we talk Mm -hmm. a lot about jonas brodin being a really good skater Next game, watch Nico Sturm skate. He doesn't; it's mm-hmm. not quite as smooth and fast as Brodeen, but he's just got a really nice skating stride that allows him to. And you know, he's, I think he's six five, six six. So and he gets up the ice quick because he's got these nice, smooth, long, powerful strides. Yeah, that's something I've noticed too. And I, I kind of missed part of what you guys talked about because I had to lay Miko back down. He he came in and started <laughs> listening to the show a little bit. I let him sit here, but anyways. Um, I, I just, yeah, I'm going to reiterate that it was good to see him score the two goals and, you know, starting from the beginning of the game when he kind of took that, that stinger, that block shot. He just, you see him work so hard and, and do all these things, and it, it was good to see it pay off. But, yeah, his his skating is something I've noticed too. He, he's he got some speed to his game. Yeah. All right, so that's our uh, Amateurs of the Week. Quick recap, Chaz Lucius from the United States National Development Program was uh, Zeke's pick. Justin went with uh, Reggie Lutz from MSU Mankato. I picked the entire MSU Mankato roster um, slash Julian Napravnik for winning the McNaughton Cup. Pros, uh, all wild players going to, deservedly so, Kirill Kaprizov, Matt Zuccarello, and then just kind of a fanboy Nico Sturm pick uh, for me. <clears throat> guys before we sign off we're going to move into i think one of our favorite segments and one of the listeners favorite segments we're going to do a draft and this one i think will be a fun one, a little bit different no players involved tonight but we're going to do a draft we're just going to pick four things just our, our favorite things about going to a wild game um we did kind of a lottery for this but before i cannot remember who got the first pick it was one of you two i remember that do you guys remember that? Do not remember, but not I can either. Zeke can, or yeah. All right, we're, we're gonna remember. give it to Zeke. Yeah, okay. give it to Zeke. And then uh, Justin, you go second, and then I'll go third. I I I, I pushed it to four, so I'll, I'll eat my words and have to make the tough decisions. Um, so Zeke, you get the first pick. Just the best parts about going to a wild game, and we're talking from the time you leave your house until the time you get back to your house. Yeah, so, uh, you know, for my first pick here, I'm just going to go with, uh, you know, just kind of walking down the street before the game at all the restaurants and all that and such down there. Uh, I know uh, Justin's a big Cetus guy, and everyone here is, but so I'm not going to take that one. But uh, Ooh, and, I thought that and, was the clear 101. No, but, yeah, you see, you see, I love it, and it's my favorite restaurant down there, but the line, for, I, maybe it doesn't take that long, but whenever I walk in there before a wild game, the line is like, all the way wrapped around like zigzag all the way around the place and i just for some reason i just never want to wait in that line so usually i'll go yeah yeah it might it might be but i don't for whatever reason i'm whenever i go to games i'm just okay i gotta be in there 45 minutes before the game starts so i don't want to wait blah blah but anyways i just you know i just kind of really like going to restaurants you know uh, the places like uh, patrick mcgovern's or tom reed's obviously are the two other uh, main ones that i go to it's just great atmosphere down there on a game day you know people walking around and all sorts of wild jerseys wild gear it's uh, you know it seems to be a happy good mood down there you know uh, people looking forward to the game before the game uh, it's usually get us a lot of good food and, and just having a lot of fun down there with the, just the overall atmosphere before the game all right, so you brought up McGovern's and Tom Reed's. If you had to pick one of them, just for the purpose of 
of putting this all out on, on Twitter later to vote. Okay. Um, if you had to pick one of them, where do you go usually? Uh, I would say McGovern's partially for the fact that uh, there's a ton of seating there and we can get in there right away. And also, uh, I'm a big fan of the turkey dinner there, which is uh, amazing, even if it puts me to sleep after I eat it. <laughs> do they still have the free popcorn? Yes, they do. It's another bonus. Another good reason. All right, Justin. Zeke leaves cassette on the board for you. Do you go with it at 102? I cannot pass it up. <laughs> that is something I do every single time I go down there, whether I'm with a friend or with my wife. A lot of times it's with the wife. But uh, we'll go to Cassetta's. We'll wait in line. We'll go early and uh, usually end up getting a pepperoni pizza and an orange soda or an orange pop. <laughs> so, yep, that that's definitely my pick because that is something we – it's been our staple and it's something we do every single time we go to a game yeah it's the same exact tradition for me i go sausage pizza and then because i'm a child i do a chocolate milk hey nothing <laughs> wrong with that it and... might help cut down on the heartburn <laughs> exactly um <clears throat> yeah and i mean not even wild games i mean i used to go to the state mm-hmm. hockey tournament every year um, oh yeah i used to get um you know ticket packs from high school where we could go like all three days and I would literally mm-hmm. eat at Cassetta's for lunch and dinner like three mm-hmm. days in a row. Yeah. Oh gosh. Also, if you've never had their chocolate cannolis there, oh, oh yeah. It's so unreal. I don't, know how I, so I don't good. know why I didn't mention that because those are our dessert. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're oh, yeah. so good. <laughs> oh, yeah. They are. All right. So you guys took uh, two pretty tough ones for number one. Um, since I have two picks, we'll go three for three on on, on uh, food choices before the game. I'm gonna go with Tom Reed's Hockey City Pub. Uh, they got really good burgers. They got pregame meals. If you're there midseason, they have you know hockey on every TV that you can think of. Um, the atmosphere there's always good. It's all it's, you know it's filled with hockey memorabilia. There's you know it's pretty much all Wild fans there. Good food. The atmosphere is good. And of course, Tom Reed play by play for the Wild, so you know they're. You know, it's going to be great. It's a great experience there. Because that is my first choice. But, uh, you know, if I want to change it up, um, I do. Uh, Tom Reed is kind of my go-to. So I have that. And then, uh, hmm, trying to think what maybe won't come back to me for my second one. Favorite part. I think the next clear one, we got to go with the name of the podcast. Uh, I'm going to choose the Wild Gullhorn because it's one of the best in the league. I just, you know. Yeah. yeah. From the sound of it, just to, you know, it being uniquely in the corner there with, with, with the lighthouse and the fog coming out, you know, whether it's, yep. you know, the introduction of the game or the Wild's first goal, it's always really cool um, to hear the goal horn. It's kind of the staple of Excel Energy Center is, you know, it's the Wild's goal horn. Yep. Absolutely. I feel like every time the Wild come on the ice and they go, here, yo, Minnesota Wild, whatever, and then the horn goes off, my... I get like goosebumps and my hairs on my arms stand up. I just get it, it just yep. such an excellent way to start a game. It is. Alright, so I got Tom Reed's in the goal horn. Uh Justin's got Cassetta. Zeke's got McGovern's. Uh Justin, it goes back to you uh for your second pick. Alright, so with the second pick, it's gonna be another atmosphere type thing. You know, we we go through the national anthem, everyone's standing and uh, I absolutely love the let's play hockey chant. Oh, yeah. Great pick. It just fires everyone up, just ready to go. Here we go. Let's play hockey. Let's get this show Mm -hmm. on the road. They always find creative people to bring in and do it. Yep, Yep. they sure do. Mm -hmm. Maybe they'll bring in on the Foghorn podcast someday. 
That'd be pretty cool. Zeke, okay, back well, to you. Two picks. Well, for me, okay, yeah, this one, uh, this next one here that I'm going to pick is, I don't know, it's a little less specific, but it just general, what I like to do when I just get into the game is just kind of, you know, walk around the concourses. Uh, you know, usually I'm sitting upstairs, so more of the times up there, but just, you know, a lot in, in all the concourses, obviously everyone knows about all the high school hockey years that they normally have hanging up, all the sorts of like, list. yep, all the sorts of displays and, and, you know, just uh, hockey, Minnesota hockey history and wild history. They're just up there, uh, you know, and uh, especially up top in the upper bowl on kind of one of the ends, they got uh, some of the college hockey moments, including the UMB winning national championship goal uh, back in 2011, so which uh, obviously Justin, I'm sure, is a, f- is a fan of that one too. But no, it's just, I guess, just like walking around the concourses and just, you know, there's just a lot of room. You know, there's also a bunch of tables, whatever, if you want to sit down, chat, eat, whatever. And just, uh, I don't know, it's just a really cool place to just walk around and just kind of take in, you know, all that's in there. All right, and you got another one here. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, you get two. And so, I don't know, I'm trying to think. I'm going to go a little bit more of a food thing. And while this is, you know, uh, they have these at pretty much every arena, Every time I go to a wild game, every time I'm at Exxon Center, I have to eat at least one bag of mini donuts. At least one. Dang it. Like, <laughs> at least one. Cause, and this is this was not at the wild game, but at the state hockey tournament this past year, uh, I got a bag in the morning. And then, you know, after we had dinner, I came back for the second section. And, you know, I ended up regretting it later on, but I had an entire second bag. And it's there's just something about those, you know, the mini donuts, and they come off that little rack, you know, in front of you, and they're just piping hot. It's just full of sugar and i don't know there's just that's just a staple of going to hockey in there well not to mention the minute you walk through the main gate you're just you know yeah slam mm-hmm. with the smell of fresh deep fried cinnamon and sugar mm-hmm. <laughs> like it just taunts you like you know you want some yeah yep oh yeah fresh and these are just any mini donuts either these are minnesota state fair caliber mini donuts which even makes them further elite yep that excellent is. pick all right, Justin, back to you. Uh, I think my pick is going to be something that I've done a couple times. It's, you know, something I do to add to my memorabilia collection. It's the mystery pucks. It's usually about 40 bucks a puck, and they have them all wrapped up, and you don't really know who you get till you open it up. And, you know, like my brothers ended up with Dubnik, but my most recent one was around the time Felino got traded to us, and I got a Marcus Felino puck, so. I enjoy doing the mystery pucks at the games. That's something I can say I have never done. Oh, you'll have to when do it I someday. Yes. I don't think they do it every game, but when they do, it's like, all right, let's 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 see what we get. Definitely. All right. I'm on the board now with two picks to round out my draft. Hmm. Tough choice. <laughs> All right, this one's like kind of a meme, but it's also kind of awesome. Um, Justin, you kind of hinted at it earlier, and it kind of goes with the goal horn as well. I'm going to go with the one-two punch. But Adam Abrams, Minnesota Wild call at the start of the mm. game. Oh, yeah. Minnesota You know, that, that, that call. Yeah. That just oh, that yeah. just sets the mood. And, and, like, the idea of anyone else, like, ever taking over Adam Abrams' job and trying to do that intro just doesn't feel right. Like, before you knock me for this pick, if you're thinking about it, just picture going to a wild game and Adam Abrams not making that call and just how wrong it would feel. It would feel very mm. wrong. 
So I, t- I think that just sets the stage, followed by the goal horn, and then Justin, as you mentioned, the state of hockey. I mean, I think that's kind of the the triple threat um, right. that kind of you know gets the crowd into the game to start things off. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, and then for my last pick, you guys have all kind of a personal touch one, so I will do one as well. Um, something I do even in the middle of winter, every second intermission. I get myself a soft serve chocolate ice cream waffle cone. Um, it's one. just, you know, the, the, by that time, Cassettes is kind of settled in, getting a little hungry, yep. need to stretch the legs. So, you know, I usually walk over to where they have the ice cream on the second level where I usually sit, and I get that ice cream cone that I have for the third period. It's just, like, for as long as I can remember, state tournament, wild games, like second intermission of a game, I always get chocolate soft serve and my dad usually goes to so it's kind of a, a father-son yeah. thing too when we're at the game just getting ice cream so although that is my fourth one it's kind of that personal touch uh, as my uh, as my last pick not a bad one at all oh, not at all Can't all right Dustin, be... back to you for your last one all right i got a couple of choices here i'm gonna choose between so i'm gonna think for a second um goodness there's a couple good choices I think I'm going to make it kind of personal and uh, the fact that it's, you know, date night with my wife. Um, Every anniversary, wedding anniversary, every Valentine's Day, we go to a wild game. And it's kind of been a staple to our, our, you know, our time together other than when we lived in Tennessee. But even then, we'd go to Predators games and check out some hockey down there. But uh, I, I think just kind of the thing we do we've done together since the beginning is you know anniversary valentines it's let's go to a wild game and then yeah wild game cassettes that's 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 my last choice is date night i mean that's the that's the dream date to be honest right oh yeah for sure (laughs) all right zeke and you get to round out the draft with your final pick okay so i think you're second uh you know, I think this this one is that doesn't happen every game, but you know, uh, you know, at the end of the games, whether win or lose, I know people have varying opinions on their, you know, the the anthem song that they will play at the end of the games. That you know, some people go, oh, it's, you know, you're, I, you're whatever. People rail on the whole state of hockey thing, blah blah blah. But I don't know. I just think that the song, especially after a big win or whatever, or playoff game, whenever when it's just loud in there, uh, you know, people still going loud uh, just right after win. Just hearing that song is just a uh, you know, you kind of just associate it with good things. Like we associate the goal horn and whatever the goal song is with, you know, scoring a goal and being happy about that. I just think associate that, uh, the, you know, kind of state of hockey anthem song with just, you know, being happy, uh, with the good win, entertaining hockey game. And uh, I don't know. I just think that there is a this cheesy sound. I think there is almost a bit of pride to it. Cause you know, you, I don't know. I could sing, I could write that song lyric by lyric. Uh, and I just think it's just kind of a cool moment at the end of the games each time, especially, uh, after they win a game, you know, I think it's just really cool. Yeah, that was on my list as well. So, see, you guys, we could do it. We each got four in. Do you have any <laughs> kind of honorable mentions? Um, maybe ones hmm. that you thought about, but maybe just didn't quite make it into your top four. I have a couple, but uh, I think the biggest one is when COVID's back and my my son's getting close to the age of being able to go to a game with me. I'm I'm really looking forward to bringing him to his first game, getting his first game puck, and that little certificate that they get hell yeah that that's kind of something i'm looking forward to and then hope i'm not taking this from someone else but just 
kind of playoff time when towels are going and they got the state of hockey flag going across the crowd. I just think that's pretty badass. Yeah. No, that's definitely a good one because I am – I've been to one playoff game before, and it was the 6-2 win they had, and they're only winning the series against the Jets a couple years ago. And, like, I've never had so much fun at a hockey game before. Like, I just remember the first goal they scored. It was, you know, they were down early. It was, you know, very tense because, you know, being down 2 nothing, you didn't – if you fought, lose that game, you know, the series is pretty much over. And I just remember just how, how loud it was when that first goal get win. And, like, I didn't even – see it go in really i remember just jumping up and i was you know whipping the towel uh, i may have hit my dad in the face a couple times with it on accident <laughs> but uh but she was you know telling me settle down with the towel there but but no I, that's that's justin brings up a good one there and just for me too i guess kind of last is just you know just general being there with you know, a lot of times i'll go with my dad my uncle you know even though uh you know my mom brother they're not as into sports as the rest of us are it's always just fun to be there with them uh because you know that's just kind of one of the places I love to be and pretty much any hockey rank whatsoever I love to be but just uh it's just overall it's just great to be there with uh, you know friends and family even if uh you know I would not rather not do a ton of talking during the game and just literally laser focus on the ice which is how I do it but no it's it's just really fun overall yeah I mean I've I've said this unironically, and I mean it when I say it. Like people, are like, what's your happy place? And I'm like, oh, it's the XL Energy Center. Yeah. You know, whether it's a wild game, state tournament, it, you know, when they had the North Star Cup or whatever, it's watching mm-hmm. hockey at the XL, eating cassetta and being there with you know my friends and my family. It's 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 where happiness lives for me. So yep. I love the X. Um, two honorable mentions that uh, I think I, or I have three kind of left here on my list um, kind of going with the Adam Abrams is you know the XL energy power play call is always oh, fun. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. that's a good one um, Nordy's t-shirt cannon is another one I have on here <laughs> <laughs> just because that thing goes so much further than you think it will mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and you'll see it, it bounce off and I you know I've seen him shoot it like on top of speakers and stuff before <laughs> it's pretty funny and yeah. then this one was very specific, but I think um, you know for for older wild older wild fans. But you know, um, playoff run wild. Um, the Corey Crawford playoff chant um, really yeah. never gets old. Um, I think it's it's still joked on Twitter. Um, obviously Crawford retired now, so we'll never get to do that again. But I think that's always you know kind of a, a fond place in Wild Hearts is being able to taunt Crawford or whoever the goalie is, um, especially during playoff time. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we uh, we made it this episode with seemingly out without a hitch, so that's a big improvement um, on our end. Right. Um, it is very exciting. Uh, before we sign off, uh, anything to plug and uh, where can we find you, Justin? You can find me at D East two thousand four. You can find me at Kaprizov C with the Kaprizov Countdown, and you can find me at M and W Prospects with Wild Prospects and Young Players. Zeke. Uh, you can find me as usual on Twitter at uh, zbwildnation underscore hw, and then you can also find uh, my written work and content at hockeywilderness.com. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at b underscore marsh92. Um, and also, I've started writing a little bit again over on Medium, just a, a free uh, you know blog site uh, writing about analytics. Um, start off with kind of a basic intro. And I'll probably be doing, you know, some occasional wild breakdowns, some deeper dives into more, you know, 
uh, intermediate level analytics as well. So stay tuned to my Twitter for those and uh, check those out as well as Zeke's work over on as well. Be sure you are following the podcast accounts on both Twitter and Instagram, both at Sound the Foghorn. If you listen on Apple, um, if you can take 30 seconds to write us a review and, and give us a five-star rating, that really helps us out. Uh, thanks to everyone who supports the show. Thanks for sticking with us tonight. Uh, we'll be back next week with hopefully a uh, continued Minnesota Wild winning streak. This has been another episode of Sound the Fox.